It's show 139 of the RIM Pro Report today, Gail Bisbee and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Hey, if you're headed to Florida next week for the PRISM conference, you'll have a chance to meet the team and learn more about all the cool things happening at O'Neill these days. You can get the latest on the upcoming O'Neill Partner Conference and a whole lot more. Hey, would you do me a favor? Can you be sure if you go to the conference to stop by the O'Neill booth and thank them for sponsoring this show? It it means a lot that they do that, and it, it allows us to do a really great show on, on a weekly basis. So if you appreciate this show, uh, no, no need to send any money like you do on PBS. Just thank them. They're really helping us out a lot. And if you're not going, you want to check out more about O'Neill at O'NeillSoft.com. As is the case every week, this show is like the breakfast of Lucky Charms. It's magically delicious. Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Hustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another show, RIM Nation, where each and every week we meet and get to know all kinds of amazing people from in and around the RIM industry. Thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up. It matters that you do. I checked the statistics before the show today and this is pretty cool we are dangerously close to 40,000 unique times the rim pro report has been listened to since we began thanks for your part in that it's pretty exciting hey one announcement next week we are going to be quiet during the prism conference i i know personally i will not be quiet but the show will be quiet for a week we'll be returning the following week with the next show this week, however, I'm excited to welcome Gail Bisbee, the founder and CEO of Confidential Records Management based in New Bern, North Carolina. Gail is a force in the RIM industry. She's deeply involved in the association. She's a teacher to many people in the industry. She's got an amazing and growing business, and she's been someone I have actively been working to get on the show for almost two years. Today, we win because she's joining us. But before I get Gail online, let's get caught up on the latest industry news. Cornerstone Records Management announced some significant executive appointments this week. Doug Mann, the CEO, who assumed the role rather quietly in February of this year. He actually replaced Kent Meismer. Last week, Doug announced that Barry Pollan would be the new senior VP of sales and Fred Dyers would become the VP of client advisory services. Fred is a well-known name in the ARMA world, serving as a past president of ARMA. He's a winner of the Emmett Leahy Award for Impact and the RIM profession, as well as being a consultant and advisor. So this seems to be a really great move for Cornerstone. Uh, Doug Pollan is a seasoned sales leader with a ton of experience in the marketing agency space, most recently working at Peak Media in LA. So congratulations to Cornerstone on these new appointments in their business. Hmm, this is interesting. ProShred announced their first franchise operation to open in Saudi Arabia. Arveda environmental services and integrated waste and recycling management company headquartered in Beirut operates through the entire Middle East. Uh, the ProShred franchise will be the first service of its kind to service the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And uh, this is pretty interesting as well. I was walking through Staples this week, the mega office supply store, and came across the 
Legal Bloss product next to the Banker's Box product. A pretty cool story. You might remember Will Scott from Cincinnati. He had a record center called Fortress and a shredding company called Evolved. A couple of years ago, he moved into the design space and created Legal Bloss, an innovative box design and development company. And he does uh, boxes, really cool boxes. You might remember a couple of years ago at the Prism show, he uh, he exhibited and he had lots of cool stuff going on well what to my wondering eyes should appear in staples but the bleagle bloss box it's called the boxy uno and it comes in this really innovative 10 pack this is seriously cool i think congratulations to will scott and bleagle bloss for getting distribution of their ultra cool boxes into staples that's major because i i don't remember uh, for years ever seeing anything else but the uh, Bankers Box products there. So I'm going to see about getting him on the show in the next couple of weeks to learn more about doing this and what they're doing at Bleagle Bloss these days. That's all the news I have this week. If you have anything to report, let me know so I can share it. I suspect that after Prism next week, I'll have more for you. All righty, I'm going to get Gail Bisbee on the line. Hold tight while I do. <laughs> Gail Bisbee is the founder, president, and CEO of Confidential Records Management based in New Bern, North Carolina. Gail, are you there? I am here, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the RIM Pro Report. It's so good to have you here. It's nice to finally get you on the show. Uh, I've, I've been working at this for a while to try and get you on, and I know how busy you've been and how much is going on, so thank you for taking the time to do this. Let's start with an overview of confidential records management today. Tell me a little bit about your company in terms of size and in terms of services, and, and give me a sense from the 10,000-foot view of what you guys are all about. Okay. Um, as many of the uh, prison members know, we started in 1995. I'm a nurse by training. Yeah. And initially uh, started the record management company after selling another company, Continuing Education Resources, where we did healthcare consulting nationally. And at the time, I was a single mother and had actually uh, been in some record centers doing some audits for uh, different organizations and liked the idea and the concept, so actually sat at a Rotary meeting one day at lunch and talked to a banker friend about the idea that I had for a professional record center. And without hesitation, he said, get your business plan together, come to see me, and two weeks later I had a line of credit. So it was that quick, although I'd been researching for about a year as I was um, in the other business of education. Hmm. So at this point... Um, at 95, in 95, I opened the record center here in New Bern, which is a smaller town, but it's where I lived. And then subsequently, in 1996, we actually uh, started scanning uh, small clients and in 97 expanded to another city, which was Greenville, North Carolina, which is actually physically an hour from New Bern. And then in 1999, expanded to Rocky Mount, which is a two-hour distance from uh, Newburn, North Carolina. So we had a fast growth based on interest and need and timing. Okay. Today um, we are in one location with a corporate office, which we'll go, you know, go into a little bit later. So you started there as a uh, you had sold a business, but but take me back a little bit. You're in the education field. What gets you, or what's the connecting point to records? How does that one show up in your in your view? I mean, I you kind of went through it there, but I 
what what was the catalyst that got you really thinking about it and digging into it and researching it a whole lot more? Well, part of the uh, expertise I had in nursing, I was doing audits internationally oh, okay. or na- nationally for hospitals and for large clinics, especially hospitals who were getting ready for accrediting or for um, joint commission review for um, their standards. And my background in nursing also, I have a certification in continuity of care and case management. So that lended itself to really look at the broad scope of healthcare delivery as related to documentation of process and recording retention, the risk management associated with, with the documents. Hmm. And actually, that's what led, the, led me into this. I would actually go into hospitals and facilities and ask for active as well as less active records. And, of course, those less active records had been purged, and many were in a record center. Right. So initially, before I would get to the facility, I would ask that they bring those specific records back. And on occasion, when I was doing long-term consulting, just really to get out of the facility and to go see how the records were being maintained in their chain of custody, I would actually have one of the HIM staff take me to the record center. Oh. So that was initially <laughs> how I had the idea of Got it. Uh, how are they being managed, how are they being stored, uh, how, how is the chain of custody process from a risk management and a documentation standpoint. Um, I also had done quite a bit of medical record review for litigation attorneys hmm. for medical malpractice and that really highlighted the fact that the content and the retention schedules were critical for patients who'd been in hospitals. So that's how a lot of it started. And also, when I was doing the education, I was actually going out and auditing records for hospitals for documentation and um, got into a lot of the risk management issues relating to quality of care. So this this was no accident. Your entrepreneurial mind just seized upon this opportunity and <laughs> uh, sold your your education and consulting business and got into records management. And so today your company is uh, is obviously hard copy record storage. What else are you doing? Uh, we are full service. Okay. We started with hard, hard copy record management in 1995. A year later, we were scanning for an attorney who was a friend of mine who said, if you'll get the software, I saw this at a, one of my meetings that I went to. Well, I bought the software and the scanner. And, and really at that time, made a decision between going with shredding and a shredding operation, which was mobile, or a scanner. And basically it was financially driven in that if I spent $25,000 at that time for a scanner and software, if that was sitting dormant on my desk, it was a lot less painful than if I had a hundred and sixty or two hundred thousand dollars scanning or shredding, shredding truck, truck. Me, and it was sitting immobile. And I was trying to grow quickly but also think through that process from a from a business standpoint, um, where my cash was going, where my receivables oh, were yeah, yeah. and the expense of that. So for us it was it has always been a good decision that we went into document imaging because I was ahead of the curve in, in many aspects. Right. Um, and we did go into document destruction, but we were plant-based, 
and even today um, we are plant-based and are NAID certified in our large building and um, really you know that has grown to be about 10 to 12 percent of our business and is growing monthly. Wow and then you so also we are doing a full do, service. And do you also have a vault? Yes we have a, we have two media vaults. Um, the record management and media vaulting is about 50 to 52 percent average of our business. Our imaging runs uh, around 40 percent uh, give or take, you know, the budgets each month, and our shredding operation now runs anywhere from 10 to 12 percent, wow. and all of those are growing. Wow. Uh, we've seen an 8 percent increase in the last year just in our record management services, and that is one of the strong things that I see. Everyone says that, you know, the paper's changing. It's changing, but we really um, are still growing slowly and methodically, um, because we are multi-service, and we also, of course, have the imaging school that we try to help record centers and NAID members also with uh, setting up imaging, because a lot of people are going electronic. Right, right. So let, let's jump back into your history a little bit more in terms of the business and the growth. Did you start it with a very healthcare focus? Was that your intent at the beginning? Or right off the bat, uh, did you see it as a much bigger opportunity play? Um, in, in looking back, I actually saw healthcare as being beneficial to me because I had done the consulting, and obviously here in Newburgh, North Carolina, I had worked at the hospital for 11 years in, in the healthcare environment, knew a lot of the physicians, and knew a lot of the attorneys. Um, but basically what I did was I went to the attorneys and to the physicians that I knew and said, this is the idea that I have. Hmm. Tell me where you feel like your needs are. Um, about five of them, right off the bat, said, you get the building, you can have the record. We know you, we trust you, wow. we, we will trust that you will do this. And literally, uh, my first two clients were attorneys. Huh. And from that point, health care continued to trickle in, the hospitals, the practices, the clinics. Um, but it has certainly been advantageous. I would have to say that I really underestimated how much the nursing degree and the nursing and healthcare background would help me in this business, hmm. uh, truly. Um, because when I would go and talk with people, there's a perception that if you're coming out of healthcare and you are a nurse and you've, you know, worked in a healthcare environment, you understand confidentiality oh, and yeah. security and privacy and retention. And that was really how I came up with the name for the company. Huh. And and that has served me well throughout. But it even in manufacturing and education, and we are really diversified, and that was one of my goals because, you know, again, you can't put all of your eggs in one basket. But every group that we talk to or that we go in front of to do a presentation, they do understand um, that we understand the privacy and the security, and that has been invaluable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we also became very active in, as I grew this business, uh, seven different Chamber of Commerce. So we had our name out there, <laughs> and we we have really spent a lot of time networking and building a business based on face-to-face and name recognition and face recognition. Okay, so you've, you've really, as an individual, become a brand in the marketplace yourself as well. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's our goal, and that's still our goal uh, with our sales team. Hmm. 
That's very cool. Well, I, I like that kind of stuff. That's that's stuff that uh... no one knows. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, you you guys made a major move to a, a a major purchase, and then a move to a new record center facility. Tell me a little bit about that process. Those are those are monstrous events in the life of a, a company like like yours. Very much so. Um, we had with the three facilities that I had, one here in Newburn, one in, in Greenville, North Carolina, and one in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, which is my hometown, we had outgrown, and we were outgrowing them because they were smaller facilities. Uh, I owned one personally here in Newburn, but we had long-term leases on the other two. And mm. we had been really scouting around for two years trying to determine how we could grow, where we would grow, and what the economics of that would be, and finally uh, decided after actually also um, after attending and being involved in some PEG meetings within the industry that our best option was to put a central location in Greenville, North Carolina, because it's an equidistance between Newburn and down on the coast of Wilmington where we service clients, as well as up in Rocky Mountain, Raleigh. So I began looking and looked for really about a year and a half for land to build on in Greenville, North Carolina, or to purchase a building. Right. And found this building that had been in the industrial park, had been vacant for over three years, and um, just out of the blue one day called about it. And uh, obviously it it was more space than I felt like we needed, but was able to after about a year and a half um, of really negotiating with the owners who were from Germany, we purchased 137,000 square feet on 10 and a half acres in Greenville, North Carolina. Wow. Closed on it December 2010. And, you know, among the prison members and people that I know, I knew that they probably thought I was not telling the truth for a year and a half. I kept saying, I'm getting this big building. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they would see me and say, oh, did you get your building yet? No, not yet. We finally got it. Um, our contractor literally moved in on site, and um, everybody, when I showed them the building, including my husband, said, you're crazy. <laughs> um, it needed a lot of work. And um, we actually, it, we salvaged uh, a lot of copper and metal out of it, uh, over $175,000 worth of copper and metal out of the building. Wow. Which went towards the remodel. And we started in December when we got the building, and we were completed with remodeling and refurbish and began actually moving in um, in May, early May, and moved first our Greenville location that was current in the area. Then we moved the imaging department from Newburn over and the staff and all the equipment. Then we moved to the Rocky Mount facility, and then we finally moved the Newburn Record Center over because I owned that building, so we were, you know, we were okay with just staying there. So um, as of last year, in July, we had all three of them combined under one facility. Hmm. Now I do, I do still have my corporate office in Newburn, North Carolina, because that's where I live, and my bookkeeping and HR, right, um, and a salesperson's here. But our staff have all relocated to Greenville and. Like I said, we had a growth last year. One of the things um, that has been really positive, our operating expenses for 200, 
to 2012 are already down 28% just because of the combination. Wow. So this is this has been a good move from your perspective. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Our spreading, we're seeing a lot of growth. Um, we are now, we're seeing the economy uh, changing a little bit and imaging projects are picking up over the last six months. We also um, have already, this, the building that I owned here in Newburn. We already have a lease on that, uh, so that's been taken care of. And one of the most beneficial things in this growth has been the tours have been wonderful for our potential clients and for our clients. Oh, yeah. um, the building is kept show-ready at all times, and that's been our goal. And the tours are very, very good, and our clients like it, and we're getting referrals. So we are, we are very pleased with the move. It was very arduous, um, and our, our team actually, you know, did all of the coordination. John Wood, who's my VP of Ops, and his team with Mike Jolly and, and Joanne and, and all of our team, they actually accomplished. All I had to do was figure out how to pay for it. Right. Well, um, that, that's, that's an important role. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, it, was, it was phenomenal to see how smooth it went. We developed a budget. Um, we did a lot of planning, and we came in actually under budget. We had a lot of help in, su- in suggestions from other PRISM members who had been through major moves like this as well. Well, very cool. That I mean, th- there's there's a couple of great pieces of news there. The the uh, the obvious decrease in overall costs, the you know the uh, efficiencies that you gain from that. But the other yeah. piece of good news is is that you're growing in a significant way. That's that is very cool. That's great news. Yes, we are very pleased. Um, you know, one of the things that occurs when you start making any kind of changes like this is a red flag goes up to staff members, or a red flag goes up to, especially in these economic times, into your clients. Right. Um, one of the things that we did preliminary was we went out and sent a sales team member out or myself or someone from management went out and met with just about every single one of our clients to tell them we are growing, we are expanding, we're consolidating because of the growth and you know we nothing's going to change when you're service and we worked very hard to make sure that they felt very comfortable with what we were doing and were aware of what we were doing. Yeah. So that helped and then from the very beginning when we made the decision to consolidate and purchase the building, we kept our staff in tune to what was going on. Um, and many of them, um, most of them actually drive back and forth. We had several who actually moved an hour, you know, sold their homes and moved over and actually moved to Greenville to make sure that they continue to work with us. So it's been very positive. We've had no negative response from any of our clients and in fact it's only been positive outcomes. Hmm. Well let's let's switch directions a little bit because uh, you great news on on your growth, your story and all that, but you're also considered one of the leading experts in the greater records management industry. Uh, in in HIPAA and medical records and scanning and imaging, uh, obviously your medical background is a plus, as you've described with your client base. Tell me what you're seeing in the world of HIPAA these days as it relates to the RIM services industry and what we do as an industry. Well, Tom, what we are seeing a lot of, and I get a lot of calls, um, I actually do a lot of policy and procedure development for the 
clinics, especially for the individual clinics um, who do not have the resources that a large hospital would have. Right. And I do a lot of their training uh, annually. Um, one of the things that we see is that they are really moving into a hybrid record environment, but HIPAA applies both to the, the physical paper records, electronic formats, EKGs, cardio testing, lab specimens, anything that they had a concern about from the standpoint of privacy and security in you know, a, an older format, they have the same challenge with the electronic data. Right. And we are seeing more and more that, in fact, we have been audited twice this year by one of our clients, by two of our clients. What we're seeing is that they are very concerned about their responsibility to be able to understand and know what we are doing with their records in the mm. chain of custody. So, you know, this format and this higher expectation, you know, as you know, I've whenever I've spoken at PRISM or at NATE or anywhere, I've said as long as HIPAA's been around that parts of these standards should really be for a business associate in our standard policies and procedures. It should not have to be driven by HIPAA, right? but it should be driven by good business practice. Hmm. What we're seeing now, many of my clients never even knew where my building was. They just knew me or they knew the sales rep, or they knew our um, operations manager. Now more and more they are feeling accountable for going out and visibly seeing how you're managing these records. Hmm. And I think that's what we're going to see more and more of. Um, and you can't, it can't be a, a negative reaction. It's got to be a very positive. Uh, I think you're going to see more and more of that in our industry and I, we get a lot of questions from business associates about how to respond if someone says, are you HIPAA certified? Well, a business associate is not HIPAA certified. It's are we HIPAA compliant? Right. And do we have the training? And this is going to continue, but it should not be a major obstacle if we have training and self-audits and those kinds of things in, in place. Because really when it comes right down to it, if you're following secure protocols and procedures and if you're doing the right kind of things, it shouldn't be an issue, right? That's right. It should be good business practice. Right. It should not, you know, HIPAA should not be put in place out of fear. It should be put in place because of good business practice. Right. Um, you would not want a file delivered to the wrong accountant or a file delivered to the wrong uh, car dealership. It's the same concept. You want your practices and your principles to be solid and your staff to be trained. Now, interestingly enough, there are quite a few of the industries in manufacturing, such as um, pharmaceutical and biomedical research, that are now using the same HIPAA standards and audit tools and they mail those into their internal audits and their audits of their vendors. Hmm. We recently went through this last year with one of our um, companies who does research. And because I've been so involved in HIPAA, I knew exactly where a lot of her standards had come from. Right, right. And so it's not, she didn't call it HIPAA, but it's the same practice. It's It's really process and it's really making sure the documentation is there, right to the point of wanting to see on the fly immediately at that point education of the individuals. 
hmm. that were handling the documents being scanned, right. the documents being picked up, transported. She even wanted to see documentation of my training. What's so interesting about this is that, you know, to me, what it starts saying is you can't hide, you can't hide your boxes in a facility that uh, you can't hide your scanning operation in a facility that doesn't have yourself at the you know, the premium level of professional service. And I I think historically our industry got away with a little bit of, you know, sort of dilapidated buildings and boxes hidden in in weird places and unlocked doors and a lot of stuff like that. We just can't do that anymore. Well, and I do believe that it's going to separate professional providers from those who are less professional. Right. It doesn't mean, you know, that, but, but to me, it's really about good business practice right. and about setting standards. You know, you talk about the imaging. You know, when we go out to pick up an imaging client's test box, we're proactive. We take a business associate agreement with us that has been signed by myself, and it goes to the prospect. Now, I know, and you know, that the business associate agreement comes from the covered entity, who would be our future client. But we're being proactive. And we are trying to, to make sure they understand that we know what they're up against, and we are mm. trying to partner with them to make sure that everything is in place as humanly possible, and we're doing everything that's reasonable and customary to protect the privacy and the confidentiality. And, but it's basically good business practice. We do that. We will have a signed receipt of anything we pick up to bring back in. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's going to be human error along the way, but as long as you've done your best and you've trained and you've taught, um, there's a lot of forgiveness forgiveness with your clients and with prospects when you try to do the right thing. Yeah, right. You you mentioned hybrid record environment or hybrid records environment, and I I think we've all kind of seen yeah. the industry evolving. So is that an important piece of your whole? the sales and marketing presentation these days and, and what you consider a, maybe a secret or maybe your, your philosophy and where this is going? Because you did mention it, and I, I heard you talk about it, and my sense is that you've been in scanning for such a long time. There's something to your philosophy about all this. Tell, tell me more about that. Well, to me, the, the key to sales in this industry is to recognize where the industry is going not to be disheartened by, you know, the fact that five years ago they said there'd be no paper. In my lifetime, there'll always be paper, but there'll be less paper and there'll be data in different formats. Right. To me, consultative sales is what we have to do, and the hybrid record environment is a blending of clients and prospects who have paper records, who have records on microfilm or microfiche, or who have... Uh, some format differently. They may have electronic. They It's all across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of the organizations now, instead of, um, you know, they'll have digital image of what used to be a pathology slide. So it's right. hybrid in that there is no one way that records are going to be done today or 10 years from now. It's constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, we do cloud storage. We are hosting. We're doing all of those things that has been driven by this industry. Um, Some people do more than what we do. You know, it's just a matter of if you're in REM today, you have to be forward thinking. Mm -hmm. 
if you stick your head in the sand and say there are no more boxes, then you know your your likelihood of survival are slim. Yeah, you have to be looking at where the industry's going and what the needs are. And in our industry, our mon- mantra is we're one source and we're many solutions. If we can find out what they need then either we can partner with them to find a solution or we can partner with someone else to give them a solution. Hmm. Oh, that's great. And that, that is, to me, what keeps us moving. You know, when I went into imaging years and years ago, you know, I did it because a, a friend of mine said, why don't you do this? And I had been doing a lot of work at Mayo Clinic, and they were already, as was Duke, they were already going digital. So I was aware from the healthcare industry where they were going. But I've never seen myself as a salesperson. Hmm. Um, I do a lot of research, I do a lot of reading, and my whole theory is if someone else can do it, <laughs> we can figure out how to do it. Right, right. Um, that drives my staff crazy sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, you know, that's part of growing a business. My right. role now is to look at where we go. Yeah. Um, I've got a wonderful group who they keep everything going and, and, you know, tell me, go do whatever it is I do. Um, but, but they are driving the bus. I'm just trying to look at where do we go and how do we continue to, to improve ourselves and our delivery of services. So what is the thing you love most about your life these days? What, what, you know, what keeps you excited hmm. every day about what you're doing? Uh, I think the most exciting thing to me are, are truly my family and my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point in your life, when you've grown a business, and truly, I started this business, and as they say, be careful what you wish for. Um, when I started this business, I was a single mother and really started so I would not go back to the hospital in management because that was a very difficult uh, time. And it has just grown. And it has grown because it was my passion and it's what I wanted to do. My son now works in the business, um, and I have a, a really good team. But my family and friends and also seeing what's coming out next in this industry gives me a, a sense of uh, accomplishment because I know then that I can continue to provide some financial security for all of our team members. Right. You know, this has been a tough economic time for everyone in the country. Yeah. And large is not always better. We are um, family-oriented, and we are small compared to a lot of the industries um, in in PRISM and in the REM business. Um, we're female-owned, which I think we're only one of five in this in PRISM group. So we are unique. You're you're an elite you're an elite group, though. <laughs> but I think it's it's a huge responsibility. Yeah, um, yeah. Whatever we do for one, it has to be the best for everyone. Yeah. And that um, gives me a lot of a lot of joy to see the people who, even when we went through the change, uh, staff members who would come and say, you know, Gail, thank you for um, you know what you're doing. I know it's tough, um, but we appreciate what you're doing for the business, and that is that makes it all worth it. Yeah. That, that that's what it's all about. So, if you had a genie and a lamp right now, as it relates to your business, what would you ask for? Well, the first would be good health, so I can continue to to grow. But I believe that, um, you know, for our business, I, I believe that happiness does not revolve around our business as a business concept, but the difference that it makes with our clients and our community and with our team. And to me, just continued success and slow, methodical growth and being able to come up with the right 
ideas that will continue to grow this business. Um, I believe it, it is truly, it, le- it you know, it ceased a long time ago being my business. Yeah. Uh, I had the idea that's, that's, that's right. Um, I took the risk. You know, everybody knows that. But it's more about our team being a cohesive team. We've got the best team we've ever had. And I always say that, and we keep growing, and we keep getting, um, you know, better and better people. But we have a great leader in um, our vice president of operations, John Wood, who has a just a really good, uh, sound concept of how to cut our expenses, how to be good to the staff. And I think that that genie, what I'd always wish for, is someone that would be able to carry on if something happened to me. Hmm. And I have that. Yeah. And that is something that gives you a lot of satisfaction when you've grown a, a business. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. To know that if something happens tomorrow, um, that that your your team is taken care of and the concept and the idea, and that our clients are taken care of. Um, we really take a lot of pride in the customer service, as do most of us in this industry. And we can we can give back to the community, and I, I think the genie has answered a lot of my wishes. <laughs> That's great. So one final question. If you could go back to 1995 when you started this, knowing everything you know today, <laughs> what might you have done differently? And I, I realize hypotheticals are in place here, and I realize hindsight is 2020. But if you could, what advice might you give yourself back in 95? I've thought about this quite a bit. Um I believe that it would have been um, less stressful from the standpoint of management and cash flow had I just centralized from the very beginning hmm. and just had the vans going in all the directions and the sales staff. But conceptually, I did not understand that at the time. Um, you know, I started here because this is where I lived, and, and I was choosing to do that as opposed to go back into the hospital setting again in management. And that was ideal for the time being. Um, However, I could have started Greenville and then just serviced Rocky Mount. But, you know, that would have been the one decision. I don't, you know, I I believe I researched the software. I did, I'm I'm used to researching everything Mm -hmm. before you do it. So I've done a lot of that. But I I believe that probably trying to centralize more would have been, um, would have made for a faster growth with a little bit less um, financial strain. Yeah. We've been, you know, you've got to have um, a lot of energy and you've got to have some financial support to be able to grow a business such as this. But yet, it's well worth it. But you have to really think through the business model. And I think the, the one thing I did correctly was to look at what is this going to be in 1995 and what is the potential long term. A lot of people start businesses because it's a good idea today, but they are not really thinking what will happen in five years right. or ten years. Right. Looking at the, the future of the industry and the future of where it's going. Yeah. But, you know, we are, we're, we're growing, and I really appreciate the fact that our staff are continuing to grow, and, and, um, and we get feedback by knowing what's in the industry, but from, you know, a lot of our um, prison members. And I think that is invaluable to be able to keep us in the right direction. Yeah. Well, we didn't even talk about that and we've blown through all the time we have uh, today. But um, one of the things that I want to say to you is how much I appreciate your leadership in the industry, the education, the training, the 
the the stuff you do for the industry you're heavily involved in the prism board and have been for years uh you you teach a lot of people in the industry about scanning and imaging and hipaa and you give of yourself so much that uh, from from the industry, I want to say thank you to you for for how much you bring to it, and um, I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us and telling us about some of these really important lessons you've learned along the way. It's been it's been great to hear it. Great, thanks, Thomas. We'd like to do it, and I hope that um, a lot of people will share their story and and how they've gotten to where they are. It's yeah. not it's not an easy ride for most of us, but it's well worth it. Yeah. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Tom. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that good? Gail Bisbee. Uh, great stuff. I, I love the whole one source, many solutions, understanding that we're really in a, a blended environment now. I love her her way of talking about that. And, and I think it's so important for our industry going forward to really understand that blended environment. So thanks again, Gail, for joining us today. And thanks to you too. I appreciate you being here. Hey, if you're going to be at Prism next week, be sure to stop by and say hello to Ian Thomas and the entire gang at O'Neill Software. Without them, this show would be a little more haphazard, I have to say. If you love the show, I really would love it if you stopped by their booth and gave them a big thank you for their support of it. I sure do appreciate it. And them. And if you want to learn more about the cool ways O'Neill can help your business, head on over the old interwebs to O'Neillsoft.com. That's it for us. We're dark next week during the Prism Show, but we'll return the following week with another great show for you. Have a great one. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.